I want that processed, fake, right. baby back rib slab sure. with some terrible sauce. That's what I want. Because if I want ribs, I'm going to go to a fucking barbecue place. I'm going right. to go to a real place that has just smoked the ribs that day. But if I want a mac rib or McRib or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> mac I, I know it. A mac rib. It's, no, it's McDonald's, not McDonald's. They have the big okay. Mac. They ha- we have the they have wait, the big, they have the big the Mac. Big. We have the Big Mac. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> so you had a date or you're going now, to have a date no i didn't have a date um it was uh it was a situation where i'm i'm you know i'm going to the y- ymca and uh there's this to woman pick up, to pick up men no i'm not picking anybody up i'm working out that's what i'm there for but the woman at the desk uh very nice lady um she uh you know, you know, I mean, I'm see her every morning when I'm going to the, you know, when I'm going to the gym, I talk to her, I say hi, I say hi yeah, to everybody because you're, you're in your, what you do. your shirtless workout shirts, your muscles are bulging, you're sweaty. Yeah, sure, sure, you sure. Know, you know, and so the other... Make a little casual lap, lap, conversation, yeah. Like last week, she said, hey, before you, you leave, come chat with me. I said, okay. So I came down and she gave me her phone number and I was like, oh, okay. And, uh... Woo-hoo. And... And so I, you know, it's a like, modern oh, woman. How about that? Uh, okay, but I'm not dating at all. It wouldn't matter if she was a supermodel. I wouldn't. I'm not dating. And uh, so anyway, she was like, "Hey, let's get together." You know, you you talked about that microbrewery. There's this microbrewery called Central Standard Brewing mm-hmm. that is kind of off the beaten. I mean, it's ironic to say that anything is off the beaten path in Wichita, Kansas, but there is a path. Yeah, they call that, that the upside down. Yeah, there is a path that is beaten, um, and there are some places that are sort of like the places people go, sports bars and stuff like that. This is a little off that beaten path, but it's a it's actually a really nice breaker brewery. Anyway, so let's go. So I said, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. So we showed, you know, I got there early, and I got a beer, and she showed up with her dog, and very nice. But but the, the vibe I was getting was no def- definitely she was thinking she was on a date. And so how do I, without being a dick let her know I'm not fucking dating anyone. Well, she opens up right away about her divorce, uh, which was six years ago, but she's still kind of smarting from it. And I kind of let her know, well, I, I just had maybe the most brutal divorce, maybe in the history of divorce, uh, like May. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're kind of, kind of bouncing around this. And finally I just said it. I said, yeah, I said, I wouldn't, tr- I would not be, I would not be a good person to date for anybody. My worst, I wouldn't date my worst enemy right now because I have trust issues, you know, the size of a fucking moon. So, uh, uh, you know, and she, oh yeah, I totally understand that. And then it became, okay, I gave her the out, you know, because I was like, I, I didn't want to just say, I don't want to date you, but because that's rude. And then she was like, yeah, we're, we're just hanging out as friends. I said, exactly. That is perfect. You can be my ambassador to the cool stuff in Wichita. And that's kind of how we left it. It was cool. And it was fine. And the microbrewery was actually pretty good. Beer was pretty decent. I mean, you're going to bang her. 
Or she's going to bang you. David, my wife is a prostitute, so I'm not having sex for a good fucking long time. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. These are the kind of David, things relationships never going to happen. Bonds build. Never going to happen. Bonds, I have a bond with you, but I haven't fucked you yet. It's not going to happen. Different kind of bond. No, not at all a different kind of bond. Not a, not at all a different kind of bond. This is going to be a deeper, more thorough emotional bond than you've ever known. And it's going to sweep you off your feet and you're going to turn around and go, what the fuck happened? I was, this is not supposed to happen. This is, I was, how, where did this come? It's just going to be, ama- and I've never felt something like this. I've, I've never loved, I've David, never thought David, this I'm, deeply I'm glad about you, someone. I'm glad you want this to be true, but you couldn't be more wrong no, if you I mean, tried. You know, what I want is for you to be happy. I don't know if this is... This yeah, and happy that. means single. No, here's the thing that I wrote not too long ago, uh, not too long ago in a piece that I wrote last week, uh, is uh, like uh, talking about getting good sleep. It's like, oh, you got to yeah. get good sleep? Yeah. Well, here's here's a hint for good sleep. Be fucking single. That's the best way. To, you'll get the, you'll sleep your fucking ass off. Nobody well, gives a shit. Nobody's, nobody's complaining about your farts or your snoring or your moving around. Nobody's going to kick you. Nobody's going to tell you to get out of bed. Nobody's going to complain. You're going to sleep like the goddamn angels. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I don't want to change that. Do angels sleep? I thought they were too busy watching over us and granting us wishes and such. They don't exist. They don't exist. It's a myth. What? I'm sorry. This is, I mean, you're, you're, you're singing the song, you're beating the drum that I was shortly before I found Katie, that uh, Tommy Beardmore was before he found David, Natasha. I David, mean, this is, David how on. many times were you, how many this times were you married before you met Katie? No. How many times you were married, married and divorced before you met Katie? Uh, well, there was. <sighs> married and divorced. No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, hang on, it's, it's zero. Uh, off the top okay. of my head, zero. And and and, and how many how many of uh, Tommy Beardmore's p- past flings were uh, a prostitute for two and a half years in secret? Uh, none that we know of. One, it turned out to be a lesbian, but that's not the same thing. Well, as that's a not the same. It? Okay, it's not the same yeah. thing at all. And what I'm going to say okay. is, then you are comparing boys to my man. So just back that off. I know. I just. I hope we're recording this because I want you're, to point you're this a guy, out in a couple no, of years. You're a guy, You and Tommy <laughs> Beardmore. You and Tommy Beardmore have been to paintball. I've been in fucking Vietnam, heavy shit. So I don't want to hear Wait. you tell me how how it's going to work out the way it worked out for I you. Just, Trust me. I just want you to know that at your fourth wedding, my best man speech is going to be playing this episode. <laughs> All right. That's you know that's what. It. You'll be. <laughs> We'll both be so goddamn old we won't even remember it, but it'll be fun to listen to. There you go. All right. So what else is going on in your life? No, I'm just. I mean, I'm just glad you're making friends. I and I. <laughs> I mean that this has become a thing for me. Yeah. Like I've, you know, I, 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 mean, I legitimately am glad you're making friends. But yes. So you know, Harry's in preschool now, which is and his school is like a. It's a big kid school. It's pre K to I think yeah, eighth grade. It's, it's the real thing. Yeah. So like up, you know, up up to high school, or. Whatever, eighth grade. Um, you know, and I drop him off, and he walks into the big kids' school with all the kids lined up, and it, you know, it's very uh, big kitty, which, of course, it is. He's in pre-K. This is what happens. But I look, you know, I watch him go in, and I have to imagine the other parents look at me like, "Oh, look at that dad. He's so sweet watching his boy walk in," and uh, 
and I guess there's an element of that, but it's mostly like, is he, does he have any friends? Like, is he, how is he, as he engages with the other kids? Cause you know, when he was in daycare, there were pictures, like there were updates, you know, we had an app and so we could see him engaging with the other kids and you get an idea of like who your kid is when he's not with you. I don't see that anymore. And he comes home and he's talking more and more. He's talking about kids' names. So I know that he is making friends and he's telling me about experiences on the playground. So I know like he's being social, things are happening. Um, we had a parent-teacher conference, like a, just a quick call the other day. And he got a good report. Like he's, he's his teacher says he's empathetic. Um, we need to work on his fine motor skills a little bit. Um, but he's like, he's reading already. He's a great leader, did it, whatever. Um, helpful with the other kids. Really like nice stuff you like to hear. And Katie was actually on the call. I wasn't. I wasn't on the call. Um, but my question to Katie was, did she say anything about him like making friends or any trouble with the kids in the classroom? Because I'm just so. You're concerned I, about that. Well, I just I want him. You know, friendship is a. Uh, I think that we've gushed about it quite a bit on this podcast. But you got to have friends. You got to have good friends. And I think that if Harry is the fact that he's empathetic, you know, I want him to be kind. And if he has friends, I believe that that begins to define him as a kind person. That 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 helps him with a kind person, yes. And I do I do see the the connection where it's where you want me to make where it's like, yeah, Don's making new friends. What you have to understand, and and I don't know if I can I don't know if I can communicate it to you well enough. Right now, the friends I have are the only friends I want because making new friends is. I have zero trust issues. I or no zero trust. I have yeah. massive trust issues. I don't trust anybody. I mean, and it's not and it's not like it's not like I'm walking around terrified. It's that it's that bottom line is I can't look anybody new in the eye yeah. and not think and not think about how I was totally suckered in to a seven and a half year marriage. You know? So, and so so how, so how, that, how, that, how how long were you and Laura hanging out? You know, it's a couple hours. I mean, I let her know that I had a podcast, so I was going to come home, and she was cool about that. And she's super nice. The thing is, she actually is she's really nice. Great. She's she's yeah, of age. She's fifty two, so she's like a regular, like yeah. she's a normal person age. She's super funny. It was fun. we had a great. It was, but once we kind of cleared the air, sounds that this like she makes somebody a, a great a great fourth wife. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like once we kind of cleared there, this was not a date. We actually enjoyed the conversation, and uh, she's going to introduce me some friends that she has, which is cool. And some, you know, we talked a little bit. Of, she talked a little bit about how hard it was to online date in Wichita because there were only like six liberals to date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and we laughed about that. And uh, I told some stories about some of my match.com, and we laughed about that. And, you know, it was just like, it was like, okay, this is definitely. She's cool. I'm cool. You know, it's not that I don't. No, it's not that it, it is. It is that I don't know her well enough to to find any kind of level of trust because I don't trust anybody. So you kept you the know, conversation make, superficial, mostly little. The rehearsal no, brought talked, out the tried and true jokes and stories. No, we got we we got in we got in some interesting. I mean, we talked about. Like she talked about her divorce that was, I guess, six years ago and how she manipulated her husband into buying her tickets to a, her ex-husband into buying tickets to a concert she wanted to go to. And that was funny. <laughs> that was kind of a funny story. You know, it's just like, you know, and, who, and paid, he, who paid the bill tonight? I did. Ah. Just because I, well, I got there first Sounds and I like gave that's my kind card. of her thing. Oh, okay. 
And I just, well, I mean, I got there first. So I just gave him my card and said, hold on to my card. And so yeah, she owes we'll you do. one. Yeah. She's going to, she's going to pick up the next time. Okay. All good. But yeah, that's the thing is the idea of, uh, you know, and you and I haven't gotten into the deep into this, but I'm, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, I'm, I, I don't know if I will say I am terrified, but I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of having sex with anybody because for seven and a half years, mostly the last two and a half years, everything I did was wrong. Now I didn't realize it at the time, but that's, you know, is that she was comparing me to someone else. It wasn't like I was bad. It's not like it suddenly, suddenly I stopped being good at sex. It was that she was comparing what I was doing with what this other guy was doing or, and maybe multiple guys were doing. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't living up to that. I wasn't living up to that fantasy. And so what I'd walked away was like, I suck. What, what, what happened? You know, what happened to me? Yeah. And it turns out that, you know, I just didn't have all the information. So the idea, honest to God, the idea of actually being intimate with a woman is not something I am remotely interested in because I don't even want to have to fucking deal with that right now. I don't want to fucking deal with that shit. Oy. Oy. She really, see, David, the thing about it is while I am definitely getting past certain things, yeah, um, she, fu- she fucked me up. She yeah. fucked me up permanent, permanent. You know, and I've and I've got I've got some I've got some roads to to rehoe. Not to get too deep, not to get too deep here in the ape cast, but yeah, I'm pretty I am pretty legitimately broken in several ways, and uh, I'm sure that I will get back to some semblance of that. But at this point, just the concept of like being intimate with another woman, it's just it's it's it, I, it's the last thing. I mean, literally the last thing I would want. Yeah, I'm 100% certain now that at your fourth wedding, I'm definitely playing this episode as my speech. And now, Warsack of the News. All right, this is an unusual <laughs> series of Rorschachs. This is an unusual series of Rorschachs. The Lemony Snicket's Rorschachs. Yes. So the very first Rorschach, your first, and I would just want to just hear your honest reaction... Okay. McDonald's says that the McRib is coming back for a farewell tour. They're saying it's coming back, but this is the last time we will have the McRib. They're repurposing it or they're redoing it. I bet you in within five years, there will be a, the new McRib or the, the McBone or some shit. But it will the actually McBone. have, they will actually be serving like proper rib meat on the bone, like rib somehow. Because the, the shit that McDonald's takes for its like processed rib meat sandwich shaped to look like it's a slab of ribs, it's gotten out of control. And, I, and there's like other restaurants coming out with just like actual, I think Arby's just has like a huge campaign about actual rib meat or some shit like that. Like on the bone, we have the meat, you know, that whole thing. Um, so I bet they're pulling this thing and they're like, we need to redo it. We need to do it right and not gross and weird. Cause the thing about the McRib. I was going to say, cause I actually, if you're going to, and I just have to jump in real quick. I'm not a huge McRib fan, but if I'm eating a McRib, I just want the McRib. That's exactly what I want. I don't want, I want that processed, fake, 
right. baby back rib slab sure. with some terrible sauce. That's what I want. Because if I want ribs, I'm going to go to a fucking barbecue place. I'm going right. to go to a real place that has just smoked the ribs that day. But if I want a mac rib or mick rib or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> mac I, rib. I know a mac rib. It's no, it's McDonald's, not they McDonald's. They have the big okay. mick. They ha- we have the. They have, Wait, the big, they have the big, the big Mac. We have the Big Mac. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where I went with it. That's kind of where I went with this Mac. Okay, it's not the Mac rib; it's the Mick rib. But if I want the Mick rib, I want that processed shit because that's, well, that's what I'm looking for. That's the McDonald's secret. That's the McDonald's thing. Like, you can want a cheeseburger, and sometimes any cheeseburger will do. But if you want a McDonald's cheeseburger, nothing. That's the only one will do. If you want fries, fries, any the, fries will do. If you want McDonald's, but McDonald's fries, fries, there's yeah, only one that you're gonna find. It's yeah, the same yeah. way with hash browns. Fucking their orange juice tastes different than any other orange yeah. juice. Like that's the McDonald's thing. And yeah, the McRib is not a bad sandwich. No, it's great. But it's fucking weird. And they, they make well, yeah. it look like a slab of ribs is just disturbing. Yeah, it's like Soylent Green. It's like yeah. there's something wrong with this. Is this so human I bet. is this human meat? Is this human meat? Maybe. It might be human meat. We'll check this within the within five years within your next wedding, the the McRib or some version of that McDonald's will be selling a rib something or other, a ribbed food item. Rib for your pleasure is what it'll be called. Ooh. Number two. So tell me, and it, this is not so much a specific news item, but did you happen <laughs> to watch the Doctor Oz John Fetterman Pennsylvania debate? No, I I wanted to. I just I did not. Okay. Get the uh, the to, thing yeah. is, I've been a, I've been a big fan of John Fetterman, um, and he had a stroke, mm-hmm. and the Back guy the yeah. guy God bless him, but the guy is fucking incoherent. I mean, I'm sorry. I watched I, about I heard, half of it. I heard bits and pieces. And yeah. and here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think is interesting, and I guess this is would would be the headline if I were going to have a headline for it is. We look at you and I talked about it last week. We look at Herschel Walker as a terrible, like a horrible, incoherent moron, right? Yeah. And oh, how could they possibly vote for him? However, John Fetterman, and I'm not saying he's a moron, but the guy, I mean, he I watched him have legitimate questions asked, and he, whatever he said made no fucking sense. He's he's not getting it. And maybe that's ableist of me, but I don't give a fuck. He's, I mean, it's like you look at Biden, you go, well, maybe he's a little demented. You look at John Fetterman, and this guy isn't making a bit of fucking sense about half the time. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, and 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 the press has given him a pass. The liberal press, or the, I, I don't even say liberal, just the press is giving John Fetterman a pass, but not Herschel Walker. And I don't know if either one of them are capable of of actually executing the job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different. It's a different bar. You know, Herschel Walker didn't have, well, I was, Herschel Walker didn't have anything uh, traumatic happen to his brain, except that he was except a football for player. Football. <laughs> so, yeah, except for football yeah. and, and, and CIT. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, and you, and you, can't, you can't diagnose CTE until you're dead. Like, it's only be done sorry. in an autopsy. Yeah, but it can only be done through an autopsy. So we can't diagnose that. But yeah, there's a pretty good chance. And I don't know what he was like before he ran for Senate because I didn't pay any attention to his point of view on issues before, you know. But yeah, it's it's an interesting point. I mean, I, I, I 
you know, gun to my head, I, w- I would bet that Fetterman is in their best brain days. Fetterman versus Walker. Fetterman is smart. Walker is less smart. Well, I've always that that's the you thing know. that made me so sad. And it really did. It kind of broke my heart because Fetterman's I've been great. a big John yeah. I've been a big John Fetterman fan for the last couple of years. Oh yeah. And to see and to see him and, and Dr. Oz has horrible things to say. He's a fucking asshole. He's a yeah, terrible he's a human clown. being. However, Fetterman can't even construct a sentence. I mean that's I mean that, it is that is a problem. It's, it's really do... it's really rough. It's really rough. You got a little cagey with, you know, will your doctor release your files or something around those? And and his doctor just made a statement that he's he's capable of of doing things. Nothing is holding him back, which may be true. But like, how bad is it? And is it on the path to get better? Strokes are odd things. Like you, you don't know. Yeah, you never you know what's going to happen. I've had whether it's going to get had, worse or better or stay the well, same I've, I've, or I've had a couple. You know that. I've had a couple. You yeah. know that. And it not I mean other than the fact that uh you know, I'm I'm probably going to have a fourth wedding, uh it hasn't affected me negatively yeah. at all. And you know what? I you would have my vote. Well, see, yeah, but I can I can construct a, a coherent sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and neither and neither Walker nor Fetterman <sighs> at this point can and I'm just curious. Well, I guess the bigger question is not so much one or the other, but the press is giving Fetterman a pass, and they're not giving Walker it's, one. And I, I don't I think, think either I, one of them should get one. I don't think either one. I think if you're looking at a, a a candidate for a major office, and you have someone that, for whatever reason it is, can't construct a a, a coherent sentence. Somebody's got to say that. Somebody's got to go. Jesus Christ! Do you, do you want to have somebody in public office, the governor of a state, yeah. who can't actually actually like speak yeah, their I mean, thoughts? I think, that's I think that's that the, rough. That's really rough. I think the press is giving Fetterman a pass because this was a. I mean, I'm avoiding the argument of liberal press prefer him over Herschel Walker. I. There may Which be I think a is true. That. No, I, no, I think that, it's, I I think that's think absolutely is, true. But it's it's so obvious that it's not even worth talking about. So go ahead. Well, I just I think that the other thing is they're looking at Fetterman as this was a tragic, unexpected thing that happened. Um, he's working on getting better. Where Herschel Walker is more of uh, it's just only gonna get worse if it is cte and we know that or which <sighs> fuck it maybe it's just because herschel walker is a right winger i i mean you know i don't know i'm not there's a lot of complexity to this yeah I, i'm t- I, I i said it was a weird I mean, rorschach i'm not trying easy. to put no softballs today yeah i don't know i i need time to think about this because i don't think it's exclusively it's a Rorschach. You I'm, don't have time to think about it. Well, I guess what I'm trying to do is figure out like what's happening in the in the editors' meetings. You know, how are they rationalizing? I'm trying to rationalize it from the editors' standpoint. Like, right, let's keep fair. taking the piss out of out of let's keep taking the piss out of Walker, but not Fetterman because Fetterman had a stroke. That's a legitimate medical thing that we can prove. Her, Walker CTE. We don't know that he could just be a fucking idiot. Let's look at the shit he says. I mean, that's I think that's how they're rationalizing it. Yeah. No, I understand you know, how they're rationalizing they it, but. It. The, 
yeah, but it doesn't matter if, if yeah. you're not capable of holding no, office. I, I you agree. shouldn't you shouldn't hold office. All right, number three. Another divided question. The article is entitled Climate Activists Divided on Souping Art. From mashed potatoes <laughs> a la Monet to cake thrown on a wax imitation of King Charles and tomato soup splashed on a Van Gogh, protesters are targeting famous artworks with food to drum up action on climate change. Now, one of the things that's been very interesting is that a lot of – it is literally dividing climate activists – some are saying the attention is positive. Others are saying that this is, it's 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 bold moves, but it is drawing negative associations with climate advocacy. It's making climate activism look petulant and yeah. stupid. So, what are your thoughts? I saw a video of these same protesters dumping milk out at some grocery store, just yep. pouring it out, yeah, just. just so, so, well, those are the same ones that put the tomato soup on Van yeah. Gogh. Those were the same kids. Yeah. 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 So the thinking that I had was, okay, if I'm one of them, my thinking is um, meat is murder, dairy is rape. So even though this cow was raped, I'm just going to waste this milk rather than make a child more healthy by giving them good vitamin D for their bones. Okay, fine. Fuck off. Uh, no, I think this is this is a stupid thing. I'm all for fine. Fuck off. Your, I'm all for your activism, and you know we need to bring attention. You know we need to do something better about climate change and just being aware of how to be better citizens of our planet. But what is the point of living longer on this planet if we're just going to fuck up our nice shit? What is the point of that? And here is not, my argument. I, I want to point out the oil here companies. is my argument. What do the dead artists have anything no. to do with it? Before here, there were any cars? My, here, Fuck. No, Come on. Here is my argument. And my argument is it's good protest because it gets a lot of attention. Um, it gets attention for their cause. And unlike many protests, January 6th, there is no actual property damage because these paintings are protected beyond words. They didn't hurt the paintings. They splashed shit, mashed potatoes and tomato soup on... The glass. glass. Yeah. They did not. So so they made a point without actually destroying the art. And in point, my yeah. opinion, in my opinion, that makes it really good theatrical protest. But does it? Uh, yeah. Okay. I see that point And I because when you that. actually destroy yeah. stuff, then all you become is somebody that's just fucking destroyed property. But no one can say these kids actually destroyed great art. They didn't fuck great art up. What they did is they used great art as a platform to make a statement without actually destroying the art. Everybody's going to see that Van Gogh. Everybody's going to see that Monet. All they had to do is get some fucking Windex and clean the glass off. It didn't yeah. hurt the painting at all. So in my opinion, that's really great political activism and great protest because it didn't destroy anything and it made a point and we're all no, talking about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. That's a, good, that's a good point. I just, I would, I don't know, my thinking would steer the brainstorm toward let's connect it to the, you know, uh, what does art have to do with any of this? Is it is it just to get headlines? Okay, what's the next plan? Like, are we going to go after... Because, you know, what the other impact is that it makes the museum well, like the, worker's job harder. 
You know, it's so like the, well, it's like the milkshakes that have nothing to it's do like with global in, warming. In Britain, when they were throwing milkshakes in uh, politicians' faces, it didn't really hurt them, but it made a statement. It's but, a milkshake. Yeah, but you can make statements that impact the people you're, the oil companies, the the big corporations, not the the museums and the poor museum workers that have to mop this shit up. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. All right, number four. And this is also not specifically a headline, but a larger issue. Fucking um, put bologna and eggs on the CEOs of the of BP's car, you know, like. Well, Roger like, and me, let's do that. I guess that that's, Go Rod- that's vandalism, but okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm vandalism. sorry. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Number four. <laughs> number four. Um, the the actual headline, but there's some more to it. Kanye West reportedly no longer a billionaire as companies cut ties from his anti-Semitic rhetoric. Now. One of the things I read in this article in The Guardian is that he went from being a billionaire to only having $400 million because Adidas said, go fuck yourself. Interestingly, as we're recording this today, Kanye went to with a, a film crew to Skechers so that he could go in and represent them, and they kicked him out of the building. Is this on video? Uh, yes, it is on video. Can you, like, is it out there for us to see? You can see it on Twitter. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... How so the mighty Kanye, have fallen. Here, here's the thing. Kanye can go after Black Lives Matter with his White Lives Matter. He can go after George W. Bush, but he better not fuck with the Jews, because they will fuck him up. <sighs> he he, he kind of had a point. With George W. Bush, it did seem like George W. Bush didn't care about black people at the time. See what? I, what? Well, see what I want to see. What I and I would give. A, I really so that would. Was one of the funniest moments in if, television. History. If Saturday Night Live, if Saturday Night Live had any balls at all, if they had any kind of relevancy at all, what they would have on the next Saturday Night Live after this week, the next Saturday Night Live, they get Mike Myers, old fat Mike Myers. They get George. <laughs> they get George W. Bush. They would stand there and George. W. W. Bush would say, Kanye West, what, what, what was don't like Jews. Doesn't care about Jews. Yeah. Doesn't care about Jews. That's what they would do. That would be funny. Because that would be some quality, goddamn, high sarcasm, great satire. But they won't do that. That would be good. Or even get Will Ferrell to do Bush, to do his Bush Bush, again. yeah. But no, the whole idea of having funny. George Bush standing next yeah. to Mike Myers and saying... Kanye West doesn't care about Jews is is really kind of brilliant. But my question is, because you're a Jew, um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't take what Kanye said personally. I mean, I found it like stupid and myopic. But the fact that he is having bill- millions of dollars taken away from him kind of proves his point, doesn't it, or not? Um, I don't know what he said. I'm trying to Are find. We- so much shit he said. I, I know the White dick. Lives Matter thing, which is a yeah, yeah, which is just like provocative. For, he's just been provocative for provocative sake. But the Jew thing was like pretty heavily anti-Semitic. It was pretty anti, and it's you know that's the thing. I like I my Jews. I like my Jews because one of my best friends is a Jew. But oh, here it is. I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, Thank I'm going you. to DeathCon three on Jewish people. The funny thing is I can't I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me 
and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. So blacks are, I mean, blacks can be Jews. None of it makes any sense. He's like Fetterman and Herschel Walker. He makes no goddamn sense. He's just like, maybe he had a stroke or CTE. I don't know. Okay, but you you can't say you're going to fucking go death con three. First of all, it's not death con, you moron. Well, but also, also the reason he said three is he didn't know if a one or five were the bad. He didn't know if one was the worst or five oh. was the worst, so he said three because he didn't know better. Oh, I thought it was a silent dig at Ch- uh, Chance the Rapper. Oh, oh shit, that's good. All right, if that's good, then I have to give Kanye some credit because that's. But a you good know dig. what? I don't think that's what it was. Well, if it was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was smart. But I love no, that I, he went I to think, Skechers. I, I love mean, that he went to Skechers and said, well, Adidas cut me out. And he went to Skechers and Skechers said, get the fuck out. I, I There's something that's quite brilliant and lovely about that. It makes I, I me want to go the, buy a pair of Skechers. As, as, a as a non-denominational recovering Jew, this, you know, doesn't bother me too. I don't think like, oh my God, Kanye is coming for us. I mean, I think it adds to the usual everyday anti-Semitism. Um, that sure. sounds just as stupid and as the Jewish laser thing that Taylor Green said, or whatever the fuck that was. Um, I don't think he's calling for the death of Jews or calling for action against Jews. I, I don't think that's what he's saying. But it's, you know, but so it, I don't feel threatened but it by did, it. But, but well, it did, it did make people in L.A. Uh, well, do some I mean, serious look, anti-Semitic shit. I mean, it, was a, it did promote a bad idea that people not, took and ran with it. It's not a cool thing to say. You shouldn't say it. It is hate speech uh, by all definition. Um, but I think it's also the straw that broke the camel's back with Kanye. This on top uh, of the White so. Lives Matter t-shirt, on top of all the weird Trump shit, on top of just on top of his shitty concerts and his shitty music after all these years. You know, people are just fed up with the guy. And yeah, fuck off, dude. Like, you're not a valuable commodity anymore. So, yeah, Fair. get the fuck out of our store. Number, f- number five, San Francisco reconsiders business ban that targets states' social values. A study found the policies focused on issues such as abortion and LGBT rights is costing the city tens of millions of dollars. San Francisco has been sort of like an interesting place because they've had some very woke politicians come in and and really emphasize some social justice policies. Well, two things are happening in San Francisco. One is that the 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 sort of tolerance for drug programs has created an almost untenable uh, situation for small business owners and and homeowners. Nobody wants to live in San Francisco anymore because it's basically overrun by fucking meth heads. The second thing is it's as they're insanely looking- expensive. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing is nobody wants to live there, not because it's insanely expensive, because it's fucking overrun by fucking meth heads in the goddamn streets. However, five of the 11 members of San Francisco's entirely Democratic Board of Supervisors sent a letter to the city administrator asking her to study options to amend a law that prohibits uh, basically the, 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 the city... And anything that a city paid for participating with states that do not follow their social justice sort of uh, morality. 
So basically, if you work for a San Francisco city-paid thing, you can't go to Texas. You can't go to Florida. You cannot fly. They will not pay for you to fly to Florida and participate. They will not do business with states that are not as progressive. And that is costing them so much money oh, that they have okay. decided that they are going to say, yeah, this is we're getting fucked. We don't have any money because we're not working with the enemy. And so the progressive values are taking a hit because of finance. What do you think? I think that's the longest headline in the history of news. Well, it was one headline and I had to explain it. Jesus Christ. So let me see if I got <laughs> if I got it. The all. next the next one's way shorter, so let's go. <laughs> all right. So San Francisco. Yes. Will not do any kind of business. In 2020, they made they made a proclamation that yeah. they would not do that. No city, uh, no city, no city organization organization could yeah. do business with a so number if, of states because of it, their yeah. anti progressive policies, and it's costing them upwards to almost 200 million dollars a year. I mean, you know, that's and the they're price. going fuck. This sucks. That's the price of of. Righteousness, righteousness for good or ill. I mean, that's that's the price of it. If you've got, if you don't want to give business to people or organizations or states or whatever the fuck it is that you don't agree with their outspoken, well-known policies, that's go for it. And if you suffer in some ways because of it, okay. It's like if I. But decide, they're changing their minds, David. They're changing their oh, minds. I they that went part that of the direction. Headline. Okay. Yeah, they well, they, then, they are they are yeah. trying to they're trying to kind of reverse no. the decision because they're losing so much fucking money. No, sure. So that's what I was going to say. Is, I mean, that's like if you know the the bodega on the corner. If I decide not to go there anymore because I saw they had a Trump flag, but if that's the only place that I can find in the city that I can find the kind of bang flavor that I like to God, drink, you're su- you're such a Jew. You know, anyway, then. I'm going to eventually have to just give in and be like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to give these Trump guys money. Here's an actual real life example. We know Home Depot gives yep. donations to Republican candidates, Republican mm-hmm. candidates that I openly don't like. Um, I much prefer Home Depot to Lowe's. I think they have better shit. I think they have workers that know their shit better. Um, and I don't like that I do it. Don't like that they're getting my money, but it's better than an annoying headache. You know, I'm paying. And well, you, you know, and, and you summed up, I think you just summed up America in, in such yeah. a, a concise way. My mom sure. and I were talking about this the other day, and she was like, I love, I would love for our climate, I would love for our, our, our adherence to fossil fuels to be, you know, she's very, very focused on the climate, but she also admitted that if you decided to take away my air conditioning, fuck you. Yeah. And that ultimately is America. We'd love our causes, but if you have to actually infringe on our shit, yeah. go fuck yourself. Number six, much simpler. Maybe the simplest headline or more complex. <laughs> I don't know. James Gunn and Peter Safran are now the heads of DC at Warner Brothers. So? You don't think that's a big deal? Basically, Kevin Feige of Marvel created his nemesis who's steven what's his face 
Steve, uh, it's James Gunn. There's James no Gunn. Steven in this. And Peter Safran. Peter Stefan. Peter Safran. Safran. Is the pr- he is the, pr- Safran is the producer of uh, the, what was the fucking, uh, now I can't think of the, the show. She-Hulk. It was the show, no, it was the, the DC show with John Cena. Peacemaker. Oh, Peacemaker. Yeah, which is great. Okay, James so yeah, Gunn, James, James Gunn did James Guardians Gunn of the Galaxy. James Gunn is the director yeah. of all three Guardians of the Galaxy. He's also the director of The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, The yeah. Suicide Squad. And uh, James Gunn, he was also the one that they, they that Disney said, oh, he said it, he said some offensive things on Twitter 50 years ago. Yeah. We're not going to let him direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And so DC said, well, we'll take you. He did the Suicide Squad. They said, okay, we'll let you do Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And yeah. now James Gunn is effectively the Kevin Feige of DC. So Kevin Feige actually created his nemesis, which is a very comic book thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is a very comic book thing to do. I mean, it's the line in, um, in, in Tim Burton's Batman where Joker says... Uh, you made me, I, I made you, you got to say that I made you, or whatever the hell that little line is. But That's yeah, exactly I mean, right. Yeah, okay, I mean, I stick with my original, you know, so? That's good. I mean, like, James Gunn's great, and Peter Saffron did great with uh, Peacemaker. With Peacemaker, yeah. Uh, the um, thing about it is, I love you know, it Maybe we'll get because... some good shit out of DC now. I don't know. Well, and, and that's the thing, is I saw Black Adam. Black Adam was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I also saw the uh, trailer for the. I fuck you, James Gunn. I love James Gunn so much. I kind of want to have his babies. Like I want to pump a baby out my ass. Cool for James Gunn. Yeah, because I have you seen the trailer for the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Uh, no, I have not. It's so motherfucking funny because if you recall in the Guardian of the Galaxy, Star Lord Peter Quill. Has he 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 fetishizes? He loves Footloose, mm-hmm. and he love he thinks Kevin Bacon is a, a, a like an Earth hero, right? Which is well, weird because Footloose wasn't a movie when he was abducted. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. No, actually, it was. It was when he was abducted. Yes, it was. Okay, trust me. But what I love about this holiday special is it's basically Drax and Manta. Think Peter is Peter Quill Starler is so upset about Gamora being sort of like destroyed, killed by Thanos. He doesn't know what to do, and they know it's hot, it's Christmas on Earth, so they want to get him a present. So you know what they do? They get him Gamora. No, they get him Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh my God! And in the trailer, it's like it's starring these people, these people, and then finally at the end, and introducing. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I laughed so hard I thought I was going to shit myself. I went, I love James Gunn. That is the that is the funniest thing. It's just such it's so good. So oh, I kind of you know, I kind of wish you hadn't ruined that for me. Well, you, you can see it in the trailer. It's a fucking trailer. It <laughs> well, takes I know, 3 but the minutes. The trailer's just, ruined for me now. <laughs> well, fuck off. Grow up. That's all I got to say. So wait say. a minute. Isn't Gamora still around cuz 2014 Gamora's here? Well, yeah, it's but she didn't have all that. She didn't fall in love with Peter Quill. She didn't have all that. Re, is she out all that of the world now? Or... 
No, she's she, apparently she's in. She's not in the holiday special, but she will be in the final Guardians of the Galaxy three. She's in that. Okay. okay. But but uh, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, she's a different Gamora. She didn't fall in love with Peter Quill. She didn't get that camaraderie with Drax right. and Rocket and you know that thing. So. I'm I'm I can't wait to see Guardians three. I can't wait to see the holiday special because it looks so stupidly funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to watch that episode. You got to watch that trailer as soon as we get off here. Because I, the minute Kevin Bacon shows up, I just thought I'm gonna ship. I I I want to <laughs> cry. I'm so happy. I'm so goddamn happy about this. I can't stand life right now. It really made me happy. Um, and I love the thing is I love Kevin Bacon because he's just like one of the coolest guys in Hollywood. The fact that he would go, well, I read an interview with Kevin Bacon where he he didn't know that they referenced him in Guardians of the Galaxy at all, mm. and he went with his kid, and like a third through the movie they make a Kevin Bacon reference, and he's like, "Holy fuck, they're talking about me." I love that about Kevin Bacon. He had yeah. no idea, and he was so thrilled. You know, it's like, yeah. And so the fact that James Gunn, I just think the guy is a, he's just a comic genius. He's taken movies that could be just complete bullshit and made them relevant and really funny. I thought Peacemaker was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Peacemaker is brilliant. It's just so funny. Jesus Christ. And he just, he taps in. I think James Gunn is just... I, I just love him, so I'm thrilled with that. You know, that's interesting, too, because that, that opens up a weird um, a weird tear in the Marvel multiverse because Kevin Bacon also played Sebastian Shaw. Yes, he did. In X-Men A New Class. Yes, he did. So so what I'm, what I'm hoping is, and what I would love, I'm telling you, I'd love it. Kevin Bacon is you just know- Sebastian Shaw's with his mind wiped. Well, another, you know, like, you know, what you, you know what a you know what a total comic book geek I am. I you know is what I would love, and I would love it, is if because James Gunn and Kevin Feige like each other. I mean, they've worked together. They've done yeah. great work together. Man, could we have a DC Marvel mashup? Could we have a mashup? Could we have because Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman? Could we I have like a? What's the end of uh, Black Adam? But if you could, what if, is wrong with you, dude? If you aren't staying, if you're not showing up for the goddamn thing, I'm spoiling that shit. Grow up! It just came Grow out. I have two young children. There were six things you should do this week. My first thing is a uh, it's a listen. Uh, it's a Slate podcast called One Year 1986. Uh, now this is a it's actually a series called One Year. This is their third season now, uh, but this this year covers uh, 1986, a year when the space shuttle Challenger exploded, the mystery of Al Capone's vaults got solved, and a sea lion named Herschel Walker caused chaos in Seattle. Wait, no, just Herschel. are you ki- no. Just Herschel. What? Not Herschel Walker. Oh, uh, okay, okay. That was crazy. Um, I, I haven't listened to the other year ones. I'm going to go back and do that because uh, I like the content. If you, My only caveat to this 
is um, the host whose name completely escapes me right now. Uh, Josh Levin. Got it. Josh Levin. Again, content is great. But this is my only dig against the show. Josh Levin sounds like he graduated from the school of radio broadcasting by Ira Glass. It's oh, that, shit. It's that very <clears throat> weird, it's that very weird back of the nasal, swallowing your own throat kind of delivery, and everything has a very specific cadence that's very curated. And it's just, it's, ugh, fuck off. Just tell the goddamn story. Because the stories they tell are good. So year one, 1986, from Slate. And get it wherever you get your podcasts. There you go. My first thing is also illicit. It's a podcast. It's my favorite. One of my favorite podcasts, The Unspeakable with Megan Daum. I love Megan Daum like a lot. I really love her. I think it, it, I'd love to meet her. I'd love to date her. Her, I would date. Anyway, it is uh, it, the episode is Can Men Be Saved? Richard Reeves on the New Crisis of Masculinity. Here's the, the, a little bit of the quote. The last several decades have seen countless initiatives to improve educational and professional opportunities for girls and women, and they worked. Women now outpace men across any number of metrics, notably educational attainment, but also mental and physical health, homeownership, civic engagement, increasingly income. Richard Reeves' new book, Boys and Men, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why it Matters What to Do About It, explores some of the uninitiated or unintended, sorry, consequences of all that progress. It is a really good discussion because Megan asks good questions. She's really curious about this kind of stuff. And as Richard Reed guys, he took his time. He's done the research. So it's a really interesting uh, sort of look at masculinity. Mm. It is the unspeakable with Megan Dom. Can men be saved? Richard Reeves on the new crisis of masculinity. My next thing to do is a read. It's in the Atlantic. It is by George Packer. The headline, the media are still making the same mistake with Trump. In a sense, this is just how we just keep giving the guy attention. He's not doing anything new. Nothing he does is really of any newsworthy value. We're just stirring the shit because it gets clicks. And I mean, look, I fall prey to it. I read shit because we keep hoping, and this is something they talk about, that Packer talks about in his piece. We keep hoping for something new, something that's going to bring him down. But here's the best thing about this story. And I'm just going to read you this. So stick with me. I'm with you. (laughs) Bob Woodward has a new Donald Trump book out. It's called The Trump Tapes, Bob Woodward's 20 Interviews with President Donald Trump. It's an audiobook with recordings of the Trump interviews that Woodward conducted for the second of Woodward's three earlier Trump books. Two days before the release of Woodward's The Trump Tapes, Woodward's home base, The Washington Post, published a Woodward essay adapted... From Woodward's The Trump Tapes on the importance of Woodward's The Trump Tapes. What the fuck? Woodward has never before released raw interviews or full transcripts of my work, he said. He reveals in the post... (laughs) Sorry, he reveals in the post-essay adapted from Woodward's The Trump Tapes. But Woodward has taken this unprecedented step in his new audiobook because Woodward's The Trump Tapes is central to understanding Trump as he is poised to seek the presidency again. Woodward explains in the post-essay adapted from Woodward's The Trump Tapes. It's too much. It's too much. Jesus Christ. Here's here's what he's doing. Here's what Packer's doing. Packer is talking about the the magnifying glass and the magnifying glass and the magnifying glass of 
Trump, Woodward. What? The, Woodward, who's a writer for the Washington Post, wrote yeah, an essay yes. about his book about Trump. Like, the fucking... It's what is just, that? It's, the steak it's, eating its, its own just, ass. What is that? The, it's the Ouroboros. The Ouroboros <laughs> is, is the snake eating its own ass. Yeah, I, got, yeah, I shit yeah. you not. I got to the... That's the first opening, the lead paragraph. I got through that and I went back and I went... Uh, is this the fucking onion? This is the funniest goddamn thing I've ever read, and it's making its point. Like that's the point made. It's that's brilliant. the point made. <laughs> that's fantastic. My, I will read that. I've read a little bit of. It. I didn't finish it, but yes, I will finish it. My second thing is also a read. It is in my favorite Quillette. It is entitled is by Julia Friedman. It's called Poetic Justice: How an Octogenar- Octogenarian Artist Defied Curatorial God. Yeah. It sorry, it's a little booze. It is entitled <laughs> Poetic Justice How an Octogenarian Artist Defied Curatorial Bureaucracy by Julia Friedman. Basically, this is a story about uh uh I'm not gonna get into the specifics, but basically there is a a major artistic exhibition um that it was all about people of color. And their perspective. And this like 85-year-old Japanese, his <laughs> he was the guy was in an internment camp in World War II, right? Well, he does one of those thing. one of those nice American ones, yeah. Yeah, he does he does a Jeez. piece that they, they called Comparative Religions 101. And it's to be included in the show, but they decide that they're not going to do it they're not going to put it in the show because it depicts a swastika well if you know the guy's work you know if you know the guy's work you know that he is number one not advocating anything and number two making fun of everything this guy is a real humorous painter so they they cancel it then they realize then they get a whole lot of backlash. This this museum gets a whole lot of backlash for canceling it because of the swastika. <laughs> they go to the guy and they say, hey, Saganaki. I don't know what his name is. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it's Sakuguchi. Sakuguchi, which is Saganaki. That's fine. Oh, my God. But they go to him and they say, hey, could we have another piece? He said, no, fuck you. They say, well, okay, we made a mistake. Can we have your piece? He said, no, fuck you. He basically yeah. took, I mean, this is a really good article about how the wokeness sort of movement in institutional things requires somebody to say, no, fuck you. And yeah. it's a really, and the thing is, it's a really good article. It's not really anti-woke. It's just like this institution really screwed up. And uh, this particular 85-year-old wow. artist uh, said, no, I'm not going to play your game. And I love that. Good for him. All right, my third thing, and final thing to do this week, is an honor or memory of the late, great actor Leslie Jordan, uh, who died in a car wreck after having some kind of medical event that caused him yes. to run his yes. car into a, the side of an L.A. building. Um, Very sad. I love Leslie Jordan so much. I have loved Leslie Jordan since 1990s Ski Patrol. He's fucking, ad- he's fucking adorable. Watch the movie Ski Patrol. It stars yeah. Leslie Jordan, uh, Paul Feig, or Feig? I think Feig. Feig. 
Fig. The one who directed um, He's the guy who directed the Ghostbusters. Yeah. 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 And Bridesmaids, which was great, but yeah, Paul Feig's. Uh-huh. Um George Lopez is in it in a way that's not superiorly annoying, which is odd for George Lopez. That in, is really odd. Opinion. Yeah, yeah. It is a stupid camp. 80, I mean, it's an 80s, like 1990, but like it's an 80s film sure. through and through. Yeah. It, it's such a fucking funny movie, but Leslie Jordan is, just, I mean. He's adorable. Uh, like when I think of Leslie, I still like quote him in that movie just like randomly in my house sometimes, like, I'll, you know, my whole life. I just, I was like really bummed. I know like celebrity deaths don't bug you out, but like he bugged me. And I was following on Instagram and I don't, I rarely go to Instagram anymore, but like the but he, like, no, few I've times seen that I do, like things. his, his just, COVID uh, stuff, his COVID yeah. stuff was next level. His, his, yeah. his daily commentary on how he was dealing with COVID and sort of like the, the whole lockdown situation, like it was, was was a game changer. He really he became he was very entertaining. Yeah. Because wasn't he wasn't he what was the sitcom he was in? Like the big one was Will and Grace. Like he won an Emmy. Okay, for so it he and, was yeah. in. Yeah, he was in Will and Grace. But if you watch his his uh, Instagram sort of like posts. Yeah. During during the lockdown. If you don't fall in love with this fucking guy, if you don't find this guy absolutely ridiculously charming and yeah. lovely, then you have no fucking heart. He is so cute and funny and self-deprecating. And yeah, no, I agree with you. I so 100% agree best. with you. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Jordan. And my third thing is what's... You're, you're going to judge me. Probably. I'm just saying. you. In fact, any and, and Beardmore is going to judge me. Anybody that listens to this podcast is going to think less of me for having said this, but I'm going to say it anyway. My third pick. I have no idea where this is going. On Netflix, Love is Blind Season 3. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about, and you know I love my reality TV, but Love is Blind is fucked up. Because Love is Blind is basically you have 20... Men and 20 women, and they meet each other in pods. They don't get to see each other. They just get to talk. At the end of 10 days, you have the opportunity to propose marriage to the person that you have connected with without seeing them at all. And then you see them, and you're engaged, and you have four weeks to get married. Now, the reason I'm going to say watch it, it's not because of my innate romanticism (laughs) and optimism for love. Because I watched the first two seasons knowing that I, I, you know, I got engaged after the third date and then four months later married my third wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And, 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 and at the time watching Love is Blind season one and season two was a validation of my choices. But now that my, that third marriage has gone up in a nu- a, you know, like a nuclear thermal nuclear war, like, like just a bomb that blew my legs off, my arms off, my heart is gone. It's a burning ember in my, I watched Love is Blind season three and I go, 
you fucking kids have no <laughs> fucking idea how bad this is going to go. And so my recommendation is that you watch it with the idea that this is so fucking wrong that these people are wrong, that they're not going to last, that it's going to go badly for them. And there's part of me in a weird, sad way that enjoys that it's going to go badly for them. Yeah, Katie watches that show, and I've so I've seen it. And yeah, it's it's hard to watch at times because you like you want to shake them. You're like you guys are idiots. You're doing you're doing this all I wrong. W- it's do me a favor when Katie's watching it and you're watching it with her. I want you to look and say, I just want you to whisper in her ear while she's watching it. Done and Dana. Well, done and Dana. Dana's a prostitute. Done and Dana. I just want you to do that so when she's watching it, she can go, oh, they're fucked. They're totally fucked. So I learned that the season two (laughs) of Love is Blind features the venue that Katie and I got Uh married at. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a friend that's like, are you watching this? Like, your your place is in it. Yeah, no, I knew that. it's funny because we think of that place. It's called Apple Blossom Resort. It's in uh, Union Michigan. We think of that place as ours because we built it with the guy. Like he had just bought it when we found it, and like he yep. made it kind of like I don't want to say for us, but like we were the first ones to have a wedding there. And he yeah, was like, but, "Oh, you want to have yeah, an event but you here?" We're like, "Yes." You yeah, but you didn't give him the <laughs> massive exposure that Love Is no. Blind did. And all I'm saying is, I, I and I say, and I just want to make sure I'm clear. This is really more for Beardmore than anybody else. I want to be really clear that I'm not suggesting that you watch Love and Blind season three so that you walk away with a sense of optimism about romance. I want you to watch it knowing, knowing in your fucking soul that it's all bullshit. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. And that's the show and the facts of life. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?